0: I am ready. I also am ready.
1: Welcome to the second episode of the Preferred Walk Ons podcast. We are both named Michael. And we are happy to be here after a week off where we, in the Charlottesville community, were mourning the loss of three football players and are thankful that Mike Collins appears to be making a recovery. Uh, So we just didn't think it was the right time. We had recorded a podcast but did not think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things that it really mattered or that anybody wanted to be listening to us at all. So we are happy to be back. Uh, despite all of the tragedies and mourning that has gone on in our community. So, we will try to have a more jovial approach, but that is obviously on our minds as we approach this podcast talking about college sports and living in Charlottesville.
0: Yeah, it definitely affects kind of what we were looking at. We had recorded an episode where we talked about our respective schools and recent football results and it just didn't feel appropriate to put that out and like you said you know our thoughts are with those families and uva football program and the entire community as well as uh, families of mike Collins and and marley morgan the fifth victim as well it's been a tough time but yeah we'd like to kind of we took a little time stepped back from everything and now we're going to push us back into the the great escape that is sports yes
1: great response to our first podcast Um, we did get some questions from some of our out of town friends who are not as familiar with the saber uh so i thought we should introduce that as well we're going to be we've been partnering as part of the ongoing saber network that's going to be expanding Uh, the saber is a virginia cavaliers blog that focuses on all things virginia sports and has a very robust message board if anyone is a virginia fan but they also have great articles in college basketball and football and other sports uh, that go on at UVA. So I uh, encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, we'll be communicating on the Sabre forums as we go and getting feedback from fans. But in case you are not a Virginia fan like me and
0: spend all of your excess time on the Sabre boards, I uh, would encourage you to check it out there as well. If I can speak as a non-UVA fan, it's worth checking out. i occasionally come on there for some perspective on different ACC things and there's a great sports betting article that runs weekly. Yes, I encourage, strongly encourage everyone to check that
1: out. That the Saber Betrix article that that's me. That's my nom de plume, I guess you could say. So uh, I wouldn't I okay. Well, I already did. It's too late. I can't take it away. Spoken like a true UVA grad. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, we use We use very sophisticated vocabulary. When Um, when totally unnecessary. Yes. So uh, we're recording this on Sunday. This is November 27th in the afternoon. There's a lot going on in the college football world even today. So we'll try to keep up with it as much as we can. But first things first, big weekend in college football. We are approaching the conference championships that are taking place this weekend. Michigan with a big victory in columbus we have tcu winning and now we really have the playoff almost completely set but except for maybe that fourth
0: slot yeah barring obviously something crazy conference championship weekend does lsu bounce back and beat georgia no no does purdue beat michigan no does tcu lose to kansas state in the battle of the purples
1: that one, I think, is
0: possible. Sure, but, State, but this is what people have been saying right. about TCU all year. It's yeah. like, oh, well, this one's going to— Iowa State was supposed to be like a sneaky challenge. It wasn't. Right? Like, can we just go ahead and say, like, TCU belongs there. They absolutely belong, and I don't think that's different than
1: saying they are potentially vulnerable to losing against Kansas State. Because I'd Kansas be State's less very surprised
0: if Michigan loses. Really? Yeah.
1: Against a ranked Kansas State top yep. ten, I don't team. believe in Kansas State. Okay. I literally don't believe it exists. Adrian Martinez, sure. Bill Snyder, yeah, he's uh, probably still there. Um, I think Colin he, Klein. <laughs> even even if they lose, though, I think they probably by the ranking that we have from Kansas State, I think TCU is probably still going to make it into the playoff, sure. even if they lose that game. And then you really have the fourth spot, which is. Right now, I would assume USC. Uh, I think if they beat Utah in the uh, Pac-12 championship, they are likely in. That's kind of the four, and then of course there's the fear factor of could Alabama sneak in if one of those teams loses.
0: Sure, and and I think it. it I think I told you this, you know, off air, but the it, see, it seems like that is becoming more and more likely, right? Because the manner in which Ohio State lost to Michigan, you can't. They can't be in.
1: I think that they're
0: ahead of Alabama, though, when the rankings come out. I I think it wouldn't surprise me if they weren't just because, like, they didn't just get, like, narrowly beat by Michigan. I mean, Michigan beat them bad. Some of it was running up the score kind of at the end, though. Sure, but it's still, like, you look at it, it's a 45-23 game. Michigan was in control of that a lot of the way through. Like, it just, to me... Feels like if Ohio State had kept it close, maybe they hang in there in the rankings. Now they're probably helped by LSU losing. I just think like Alabama was sitting there at seven, destroyed Auburn, so they're gonna move up to what six probably or five. No, I think I think Ohio
1: State's gonna be five, Alabama six. I don't know. I think they'll put Alabama five, Ohio State six. Look, destroying Auburn is not that big of a deal. Brian, it's not Brian Harson already did that this year. So
0: <laughs> you're right. Uh, uh, Auburn is not what they used to be, but I, I don't know. It just feels like I am. I've been, I've been hurt by the committee's love for Alabama in the past, and I just look at. I mean, look, they were they were certainly helped, right? Clemson losing to South Carolina helps them too, because you could argue if Clemson had won taking care of business the way they were supposed to, and then beats Carolina in the ACC championship game that Clemson could potentially jump into an open spot there if some other schools don't take care of business. But in reality, what's likely to happen, Georgia, Michigan, TCU all take care of business this week. USC probably takes care of business as well and gets it. And, and I think that's just kind of... I think it'll be a moot point. I, I just I think Caleb Boy, I like I think Alabama will end up at that five or that six spot. I, th- I think it'll be five, but I think they're going to be just left out. I hope so, and I want to move off of this point
1: if for no other reason that it sounds like I'm defending Ohio State, which is an untenable position for me and something Fine, man. you will never hear me do. But I think they have with only one loss to a team that's in the playoff, whereas Alabama has two losses, and it's kind of a double-edged sword because you have a situation where Alabama is helped by Tennessee and uh, LSU losing Mm -hmm. but at the same time those are the teams that beat them it makes it look worse so honestly I would be thrilled to see some new blood in the final four college playoff like I really welcome TCU and even USC which doesn't feel like I mean, obviously they are normally a blue blood, but I would love to see I them over. I love this USC though. Yeah,
0: and I love the turnaround, and like I, I don't care. I love, I love Lincoln Riley. I do. I, I, it's fun, man. Like Lincoln Riley's brand of football is fun. Caleb Williams is fun, and that guy is just like I watch him. I'm like, this is just a kid who loves to play football, and. Like, has gone all in since transferring. And I know that there's all sorts of crotchety old football fans out there, maybe even listening to this, who hate this era of player movement and transfer portal and all this stuff. Whatever. Like, I disregard your opinion entirely (laughs) because I think it's good for the kids, which is what the thing is supposed to be entirely about. And he's in a situation that's good for him. He's going to win the Heisman. And he's going to be like, the next great thing to happen at the quarterback position.
1: I also think, I'm going to assume that Georgia stays at one, even though Michigan gets a big win.
0: Yeah, I think undefeated. that the it'll be closer. It'll be
1: close, but um, I would love to see Georgia and USC play
0: in the first game. That would just be a really fun matchup. It might be finally the 1-4 semifinal that isn't a totally boring blowout, right? right? Like. Which is good, you know, but it's it's like, what Georgia are you going to get? Are you going to get the Georgia that played for the first half against Georgia Tech and looked extremely vulnerable, or are you going to get that Georgia that then pulled away, right? If it's the first half against Georgia Tech, Georgia team, they can't look past LSU. I mean, I know that LSU just dropped a loss to like a middle school team <laughs> out of, in College Station, but they were fifth going into the weekend. Right? Like, right. this is still a good team that I'm not as big a believer in as some other people have been. But they're still dangerous. Right? And some of it depends on... And I honestly don't know the injury status of Jaden Daniels. I know he got hurt late in that game. I'm not sure what his status is moving forward. But, like, Georgia could lose this weekend. Like It, it could happen, right? And Now, if they don't, then, yeah, I assume they're going to go into this thing as number one. So... I just can't see Michigan jumping them, even though they beat Ohio State. I think while they're maybe not supposed to think about this, like Michigan last year, Michigan was back, and they're there, the and and then what happened, right? So, like, I think there's a little bit of buyer beware there, even on the committee's perspective, which maybe shouldn't happen, but probably does. So a few a few games here as we're previewing the conference
1: championship games. TCU – Opens as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Kansas State. So, very close there. Uh, USC is a three-point favorite against Utah. Utah's dangerous. They Cameron Rising played a really, really bad game against Oregon. More like and they Cam lost. Falling. Oh, we may have to cut that. <laughs> that's, that's, too, that's That's too spicy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so... I think I think some of these games might be a little bit closer. The LSU Georgia game is currently at seventeen points, so there's that's definitely people agree that Georgia is probably in safe position one way or the other. Michigan is sixteen and
0: a half point favorite over Purdue, so Mm -hmm. that is a and that likely goes that way. I just that would be my like dark horse, the lead horse. not so fast. Like I, I I'm not sure The... The Utah USC game, I like USC's gonna beat them. U- Utah stop trying to tell me they're good. Like I don't know. Kyle Winningham, he gets, I know he it, gets was, it done. I know it was back at the beginning of the season, but just I'm like going into the season everybody's like, Oh, Utah's gonna break through and like this is it and then that like Florida. Like that Florida team that now That was so long ago. Who can even remember that? me. <laughs> like, it, it's not... I, I don't know. I just... I look at this and I think that there there's no way in my mind that USC loses to Utah um, in that game with, with the stakes as high as they are. It's just not going to happen. USC's problem has been their run
1: defense. Like, they their offense has been dynamic. Caleb mm-hmm. Williams has been dynamic. Jordan Addison has been great at wide receiver for them.
0: They do miss Travis Dye running back.
1: So, they they have that. But their offense is going to score points. The problem yeah. is, can they
0: actually stop anybody from scoring? Cam uh, Rising is going to throw at least two picks in this game. So, mm. if you can capitalize on those, you're good. Write them in. Like, okay. Sharpie. I, I'm not even worried about it. Okay. We'll see. I, I'm sticking with Utah
1: just because they were my season Pac-12 championship. But you think okay. Utah is going to win that game? Well, I don't necessarily think that they're going to win, but... I would pick them because of my preseason bet. Mm. You know what I mean? I like, want them to yeah, win? Yeah, I want them to win. Okay. So well, they're not going to win. I'm starting to look for reasons that they will okay. win.
0: You said it was two and a half? Two and a half.
1: That's, it's pretty low. That's kind of a low line for... I her. think it's kind of stinky. Yeah.
0: And you like to run to the smell. I like run into the smell on these I, things. Uh, I I wouldn't touch it with my money, I don't think, but I I like USC... I like USC in a game that probably turns into a shootout. And and I think it's gonna come come down to what quarterback can make plays. And if we're talking about Caleb Williams versus Cam Rising, come on. That's like a no brainer like Russell Wilson versus Sam Darnold. <laughs> As for context, As we, we just saw watched, that. We just watched Sam Darnold outplay Russell Wilson. But it's obviously different, right? The, uh, uh, give me, give me Caleb Williams. Give me USC. Give me a Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC playoff. Okay. And I, that, to me, that's great. Georgia, USC, great game. Michigan, TCU would be an awesome. game. That would game. be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Even though I don't really care for any of those fan bases or those teams, I think all four of those
0: TCU is fun. fun, and I think we may have talked about this on the episode that didn't come out. TCU is fun because I think back to the years where like. They were kind of in the Boise State class of teams that are on the outside looking in. Just wanting a shot in the BCS. So now it's kind of like the the fact that they're going to probably be in the playoff. And who knows what happens there, right? Like, give them a shot. I don't know. Like, how healthy is Blake Coram going to be for Michigan? Like, does J.J. McCarthy look like he did against Ohio State? Where at one point he was like 5 for 7 for 150 yards and two touchdowns because he connected on two bombs? Or is he, you know, the inconsistent kind of, I just don't know. I don't know what to expect. And all of this is just a, a lot of, you know, lefts and rights and curves to get to a Georgia championship probably. But right,
1: it is what it is. Of course, we have yet to discuss the most important championship game, which is, of course, the ACC championship. Boy, this one lost between steam, didn't it? <laughs> between Clemson and North Carolina, two teams that are coming off of How do we want to say it? Uh, Devastating losses to rival teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, this game was never going to be like a play-in game for the playoff. I think they were both out. And Clemson, I think you could argue, had a path with the right teams losing. Now they don't, you know, because you lost to Spencer Rattler, who I hope he's good. I really do. I hope, like, this has been a journey of just kind of like, you know, highly rated prospect. Who literally had a Netflix special <laughs> to then you know getting benched for Caleb Williams, which is no nothing to be ashamed about. I hope he's good because like what a great I I'm I'm big into the like this is an awesome name for a great quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Come on. That is like and he's fun to watch. And he just can spin the ball. But you lost to South Carolina, and like I know South Carolina beat Tennessee. They've had, the, they've had the best two-week stretch of the season. This is the best year team. they've had since Jadavian Clowney was there and Marcus Lattimore and that whole run, which, like, that was a fun time, but they've been awful for, like, eight years. They were
1: awful not two or three weeks ago. Right.
0: So, shout out to Shane Beamer. Like, you've done a great job, and that team is fun. I, they really are. But they, yeah, I know they, and, and they barely won, but... That still qualifies as you destroyed Clemson because, like, even a one point win in that situation is such a heartbreaker. Uh, couldn't happen to worse people, you know. I just hate to see Dabo floundering here, but at the same time, I really don't hate to see it at all. It is one of my favorite things. They Clemsoned. They haven't. They do, we haven't Clemson. been able to say that for a while. It's back. We they Clemsoned. They absolutely Clemsoned because he doesn't have a quarterback. He just doesn't. Right. Like, that defense is good. So, so looking at this championship game, Carolina, I don't know if you want me to get into that now. Yeah, sure. Like, go ahead and I'm gonna go step away from the mic and just
1: let you talk about your beloved Wolfpack yeah. winning in we've, double. We've overtime. decided
0: that I can curse on this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if it gets really bad, I'll just yeah. bleep it.
0: What a fing great day. Okay. <laughs> like, listen, Friday was interesting because you had Team USA taking on England in the World Cup, and it felt like they were set up for a great American win. There was a draw. No one here in this country likes ties. It felt like kind of a slight disappointment, but there was a great American victory. I'm here to tell you it happened, <laughs> and it happened at Chapel Hill. Sadly, there were about 20 people there to see it because they can't draw anybody to their football games, even when they're ranked in the top 20 and you know supposedly have a Heisman contender at quarterback but that 30 to 7 double sorry 30 to 27 double overtime win by NC State is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. And it's because those wins, now listen, we've beaten them a ton in football over the last 15 20 years. And at this point, like it's hard to even classify them as a rival because they don't compete. And You know, it's just like, but at the same time, it's so much sweeter in these years where they think they're good. And they've beaten nobody, right? They haven't played a ranked team all year. You can fact check me there, but I'm pretty sure that's Uh, right. uh, Notre Dame was ranked, right? Not when they played them. Okay, so at
1: the time of them playing. sorry. They
0: have not played a team that was ranked at the time that they played them. Okay. That defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Drake May, listen. I'll give him his flowers. He he had a really good year until it mattered when he couldn't beat Georgia Tech and then one of the greatest college football defenses of the last decade. Statistically that is true. I know you think I'm just being a homer, but that team, that defensive squad is unreal and he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it against them. And you know, I think like at the end of the day a fourth string quarterback walked in to Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill and just beat the shit out of Carolina. And it's a three point double overtime plan. So you may think like that didn't beat them. Better. But like, again, fourth string. This guy was a scout team quarterback. And there was a lot of shit talking coming from Carolina all year, all week. There always is. And they just couldn't get it done. And, you know, again, like very sarcastically, you hate to see it. And it's just amazing because, like, they're going to get trounced in the ACC championship game. I'm telling you right now. Like, there's no way.
1: So you don't think that,
0: because no. you started, Whatever this, you're gonna you say, started no. this
1: segment talking about how Clemson-Clemson. Do Clemson. you still mm-hmm. think Clemson as an eight-point
0: favorite? They are clearly bad. Bad Clemson is head and shoulders over good Carolina. Like, in terms of being good at football. Like, there's just no way. I'm inclined to agree just because of how
1: horrendous North Carolina's defense is. Like, yeah. some of their defensive metrics... You don't need a quarterback. Hard. Our
0: fourth-string quarterback just beat them. And then, like, good lord, the guy absolutely won the post-game press conference, too. And I think we talked about maybe trying to put the clip in, but just in case we can't. Drake May famously said earlier in the year that he always wanted to play at Carolina because... You know, is the place everybody in the state wants to go to, and the people who go to state are just people who can't get into Carolina. And Ben Finley, brother of the great, the NC State great Ryan Finley, in his post-game press conference said that he never even tried to get into Carolina, that he wanted to go to state, and how great it's been at state. And just, it was a great kind of clapback. Dave Doran had a great quote that they put during the broadcast about Mac Brown talking behind the back of, listen, your UVA fan base here can understand this because I know you guys hate Carolina. Anybody too. but Carolina, ABC. And absolutely. And we all know that Mac Brown is out there recruiting by talking bad about the other coaching staffs. And uh, Dave Doran called him out and they asked Dave Doran, is this on the record or off the record? He said, I don't give a s. And I, like, come on, the guy's amazing. This was such a great win. On top of that, At the same time, what was Carolina's basketball team doing? Losing to Iowa State. Give me more. Inject it directly. (laughs) This is like, listen, I like recently was thinking about the best days in my life. And this one was up there. Like, I'd say it's not, doesn't quite beat my wedding day, Mm. but it was pretty close.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a good run for you. Between those two, and really a good run for humanity, yeah. Broadly, North Carolina's defense—just to put a pin on this—averages giving up six yards per play. Not great, Bob. That's ranked for 112th nationally in the FBS. Like that's really, really bad. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I would also pick Clemson here in the ACC championship. But it would also feel—it feels a little bit Carolina-esque to me if they were to come in and win. And then everybody forgets about their yeah. Georgia Tech loss, their NC State loss. Sure. And like, and then they have the trophy at the end. That it, just that I,
0: that's my negative glass half full of Carolina. I, I could see it, and and it, it like it wouldn't shock me in a way that you're right. It feels like things are almost going too well, so I could see some sort of karmic reversal where Carolina then does well on the ACC championship game. I, I just, like, in terms of logic and looking at those two teams, there's there's no way. There's no way. So so to me, it's more about, like, where is Drake May going to transfer to? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, whatever, that's a later question. They, they're going to lose, period. They're going to lose. And it's just, like, so sweet. I, I know that we're trying to move on, but it's just so sweet thinking about, Like last year's rivalry game against them where we were down by like two touchdowns late and miraculously came back to win. And then this, like they catch us at our worst. We just lost to Boston College on senior day with a chance to set a program record for consecutive home wins. Like everything was there for a win and we lost that game and Carolina still couldn't beat us. Like even at our lowest lows, you're literally on the floor and Carolina can't beat you. It's so great, and then the basketball team losing. I mean that we can come back to that a little bit later because yeah. I, I think it actually shows some real like holes in the armor of Carolina. Um, but it, it just what a what a great day. Carolina sucks, and it's it's a win for America. Yeah. Before we before we move on to
1: college basketball, I do want to linger. Uh, you mentioned Drake May's imminent transfer, which. We'll see about that,
0: but it looked good in Rocky Top Orange.
1: Ooh, mm, that's that's two of the worst colors in sports.
0: That I don't mind the Tennessee. Blue. I don't mind the
1: Tennessee thing.
0: And is, I, better, have, I own a lot of. Orange. Anything's better than that blue. It's yeah, I don't like it. They're oh.
1: both just too bright. It there's, gonna be lo- the eyes. there's
0: gonna be a lot of. Listen, I, we can get into this in a later episode. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a lot of quarterback jobs up for the taking on the transfer portal. Drake May originally committed to Alabama. Bryce Young's going to be gone. Does he change his mind again? That Ohio State job's going to be open, right? Like Drake May could go anywhere and play quarterback. So we'll see. Speaking of going anywhere, yeah. we've we've been
1: watching the coaching carousel. Sure have. Definitely some a, a big twenty four hours have taken place. Yeah. Uh, as coaches are moving. So
0: you know, really, getting, hardly anything good. There's one good one, but yes. So Everybody else is just, I compared it to the, whatever, like 2018, I don't know. There was a an NBA season where the cap jumped and the Lakers were going to spend all this money and they signed Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> uh, and if you don't follow NBA basketball, that was a big disappointment. The guy is not good. Like It was a, what are you doing? And we had a team pull a Mozgov signing and jumped out there. Big red, Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Did they do something? They sure did. Tell me more. They hired one of the biggest disappointments in America, Matt Rule. So I think it's worth
1: pointing out, again, you're a longtime Panthers fan, so you are intimately familiar with Matt Rule and his coaching decisions. Yeah. But not only did they – I think objectively you could talk yourself into this from his past experience, working rebuilding Temple, rebuilding Baylor – particularly Baylor after they had gone through the art briles fiasco True. and that the fallout of that so you could convince yourself that he is a culture builder and he's going to bring the right kind of players in in Nebraska but I think we both feel the same way about this that this is going to be a fiasco
0: at some point you gave him an eight year contract where you're paying almost everything the Panthers still owed him to like It's the commitment that that I think is the biggest problem here. On its face, the guy as a college coach, like you said, objectively, I see it. I understand the thought process here. I don't think it works, though, for several different reasons. He doesn't have the talent base to recruit at Nebraska that he did at Baylor or Temple even, right? Like, we talked in the originally recorded second episode about how Nebraska struggles because they have to recruit out of state. Like, there just isn't talent in Nebraska. Well, at Temple... You've got Pennsylvania talent and New Jersey and all that stuff. Baylor, you have the, like, abundance of Texas talent that's available to you where even the scraps are really good. Can Matt Rule identify and recruit talent at Nebraska the way he did at those two programs? Facing stiffer competition than he faced at those two programs. I mean, Baylor, you were in the Big 12, so there was good competition there. Also, I would argue... Matt Rule is a different person now. I I think when Matt Rule got that Panthers job and David Tepper gave him way too much money and gave him way too much power, Matt, it went to his head. I think Matt Rule thinks, he believes that he is the messiah of football programs and that he can just turn around anything. And he may be the only person outside of Dan Snyder to do more damage to an NFL franchise single-handedly. Like, he ran the Panthers into the ground. And I don't know. Sorry, Nebraska. I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. I'll, I'll be glad to eat my shoe if I'm wrong. I think the biggest difference
1: in these schools, Nebraska still has very, very high expectations of what their football team should produce. They're still living in the 90s thinking we should have Eric Crouch show up and then just win 10, 11 games in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. right? So they, they run off somebody like Bo Pelini because he's not good enough to be there despite the fact that he has a record of 67 and 27. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you, you run off Bill Cal- Callahan, who, granted, I don't think Bill Callahan was a great coach, but he had a winning record. You bring in somebody like Mike Riley... 19 and 19 overall. You bring in Scott Frost, the hero, the the (laughs) prodigal son. He comes in and is 12 and 20, right? So none of those hires were terrible hires. Like Scott Frost had just taken UCF to new heights with their program, right? So that seemed like a home run hire. But the most important thing is that the fan base is not going to be happy with that. Anything other
0: than competing for conference championships. If he doesn't win a Big Ten championship in the next three years, they're going to fire him. Right. You really think Matt Rule can do that there? No. There's no, no way. I don't think so. There's no way. I'm not sure that anyone could. Now, they've recruited well over the last few years. Like, there is talent there. How much is going to stay? Right? So, Matt Rule always prides himself. He talks about his ability to build relationships and build a culture and all. And, and like, I hope... I don't necessarily... I have nothing against Nebraska. I don't wish ill on them. I have a grudge against Matt Rule for what he did to the Panthers. But that's separate. I can wish well for Nebraska. And if it works out, like, great, right? I, I just... And some of that stuff that he does that didn't work with the pros, it, it, it works with college kids. Like, they're not professional athletes. They're not adults. So I always think back to the at Panthers training camp... He put this thing up. He called it the DBO sign. And he had a sign uh, at at camp that was like way off um, at the far end of the field that said, don't beat ourselves, DBO. And anytime somebody made a mistake, any mental error or fumble or anything like that, they had to sprint over, touch the sign and sprint back. And to me, that is in the territory of just, that is just dumb coach where like that means nothing. You have not taught a lesson. You've not, like, especially with pro athletes, they understand you shouldn't turn the ball over, right? Like, it's not anything like that. And, And that stuff might play better with college kids. I just think that's a perfect indicator of this guy. He bought all the hype on himself and thinks that he is some miracle worker. Where in reality, I think he probably, like, hit some lucky circumstances at Temple and at Baylor. And just happened to hit on some recruits. Got some good transfers, especially at Baylor. He's also got coaches like Phil Snow with him who are like seasoned assistants who do most of the work. So, good for you, man. If it works out for you, I, I think he might be one of the biggest con men in sports. But, <laughs> I, I mean, like, seriously, though, I I think he's like, it, it's like a snake oil salesman. Like, like, the stuff he does is nothing. He just says a bunch of crap, trust the process, all that. But, like... None of it works. About creating the brand with the Panthers. And I, I just, you know, I think the fact that they threw so much money over so much time and were so eager to do it, when you're in Nebraska, you're one of the more appealing jobs out there, and you probably could have gotten somebody better. Go get Jimmy Chadwell from Coastal. Go get somebody excited. Like, somebody that really, I don't know. This just doesn't... Here's th- what I think
1: is going to happen. I think he will do okay, <laughs> sure. but... I think sometime between now and when he get would have gotten fired the Penn State job will open and he will 100% mm. leave for Penn State oh. and Penn State will talk themselves into hiring him. So I don't even think it will come to him being fired. Like he will yeah, he will That's see fair. himself out and he hasn't stayed at any particular place recently for more than a couple of years. No. So right, like a, I I don't think that they will even and I think Nebraska fans will probably also be frustrated at the fact that they couldn't keep him compared to Penn State. When, mm-hmm. like,
0: Regardless of whatever you think of Penn State, they have more prestige right now. Way more line. appealing, yeah. And, and for him, for sure. And, and if you believe anything he's said, then he's going to try to jump to the NFL again. Because everything he said when he was with the Panthers was, like, my dream is to coach in the NFL. I want the NFL job. So he's going to jump for something at some point, right? Like, I, I don't see him being that we joked about Bill Snyder with Kansas State. I don't see him being that guy who builds something and stays there, which that's rare in college football these days anyway. But yeah, no. I I well, good luck. Good luck. That's all I have to say. Good luck. Should probably kept Bopellini, but that's what set off this whole thing. I don't know. You you talk about state being a delusional fan base all the time, but we will never be more delusional than Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Like Dave Tom, Doran. Tommy Frazier is gonna walk through the door again. <laughs> Dave Doran's got Great a lifetime sellage. job if he wants it. We're not Nebraska. Like they would fire Yeah, no. Just good luck. You want to talk about another delusional fan base? I sure do. Auburn. Okay. Okay, so. Should have kept Cadillac. Just
1: Cadillac. You know, I think he definitely got some buy-in from his players. It was clear God. that his players had more of a relationship with him than Brian Harson, which I believe anybody would, but you look. This past week has just been such a cluster with the whole Lane Kiffin rumors swirling ahead of the Egg Bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and it almost seemed like it. it First, it seemed like it was going to be impossible for Lane Kiffin to leave after the reports were that he had accepted the Mm -hmm. Auburn job, and then he personally went after this reporter on Twitter, like almost every day, saying, fake news, not going to happen. Love it. And I kept thinking, like, is there is there any way that he can get away with, it? like, oh, no, uh, you said oh, it was going to happen on Sunday, but right, it's right, actually right. going to happen on Monday, so <laughs> I wasn't lying. <laughs> right. But then that shoe drops, he stays at, at Ole Miss. Good. So then that leaves them kind of putting all their eggs in the Hugh Freeze basket, Which eggs, egg bowl, egg bowl. Okay, sure, for Auburn. Uh, and then Hugh Freeze comes out in his finale, potentially at Liberty, and gets blown out in front of his home crowd by New Mexico State powerhouse, powerhouse New Mexico State. They he is greeted with booze from his fan base who believes that he is leaving. His players clearly appeared to have just kind of quit on the game, thinking, hmm. well, our coach might be leaving anyway. It was clearly a distraction. Yeah. I feel like Auburn already hates the hire, and it hasn't
0: even happened yet. Yeah. It's – look, I mean, is there anybody I, – I, Hugh Freeze is probably the, like, sleaziest coach in college football. I just think everybody watches him, listens to him, and just gets like a, ooh, I feel like I need to wash my hands kind of feeling. Perfect for Auburn. I, I mean, yeah, so so the New Mexico State, I mean, like, probably he had a better time coaching from the hospital bed than that game. Like, that was bad. So, this is a guy who had the quote, like, a week or two ago that you, you had brought up uh, that was just a super non-committal. It was like he was in a job interview where he was just like, everywhere I've gone, I've built a program and all this stuff. And it's like, we get it, buddy. You want a bigger job. Because as much money as Liberty has thrown at that football program, which they have. And you've put a quarterback in the NFL who we'll see how that goes. You've got a couple of players that you've put in, you know, like that program definitely has had a rise under him. The it's not an SEC job. And I get it. Like he wants to jump. If you're Auburn and you've had some scandal and scandal adjacent kind of things and, there's not a lot of faith in the program. Is Hugh Freeze really the guy who like unifies the fan base and turns things around and all of that? And I gotta say, like, it's a pretty resounding no. It seems obvious to me. I know Cadillac Williams and I'm not even joking. I, I think they should give him the job. Like, it's a gamble, right? Because he's got like what, four years of experience as a running backs coach, and that's it. I understand. But can we all just acknowledge that football head coach is... I'm not saying it's an easy job, but it has so much less to do with knowledge of the game. If you can surround yourself with knowledgeable and experienced assistants than it does with just managing culture in a program, and Cadillac Williams feels perfect for where that program is right now. The fan base is behind him. The players love him the alumni love him former players so alumni outside of the players but then also like former players adore him as well like it's perfect let him run the ship see how it goes take a risk a risk that's not Hugh Freeze where it's going to end up in like you know NCAA infractions or a pregnant sorority girl or I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be something along those lines. And like, you just know it. This is the most obvious. It's obviously not going to go well.
1: Yeah. I, again, I, I think it could go okay. Like I, you no. know, he's, he has a, he was 34 and 15 at Liberty, right? And four years at Liberty. So that's really good. Atlantic Sun. Right. But so, I, and he was, he was successful at Ole Miss turning their program around, but is the fan base going to be happy with that? Right. Like this is the same fan base that fired Gus Melzahn after like pretty soon after winning a national championship. Right. So I don't know. He just the whole drama. I couldn't get enough of the drama. And honestly, I I welcome Hugh Freeze going to Auburn because I think it will be just, you know, grab some popcorn and enjoy the show. But yeah, I think that would not be he would not be high on my
0: list of people to hire I I don't know. I hate to like, maybe, maybe he's a good dude and I'll feel bad about just absolutely going after him here. But, so he was a high school coach, coach Michael Orr, famously got an assistant coaching job at Ole Miss, or sorry, it was like assistant athletic director as part of Michael Orr's recruitment. So, Okay. You got a job so they could pull on this offensive lineman who was supposed to be this great thing. And he was. And fine. But, like, then you go through and hit several different kind of college positions, end up back at Ole Miss, have some success. But also, like, let's not forget, like, dismissed from Ole Miss because of contact with an escort service. After he left the high school job, there were allegations that he had inappropriate relationships with female high school students. The, and we all, like... Brought all this up with Liberty because, I mean, obviously there's... The fact that Liberty is able to look away from those things is interesting, right? But if you're any program, why touch this, right? Like, this guy seems destined to make a mess of things. He had recruiting violations at Ole Miss. Uh, like, everything is just... I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it if you're Auburn. Why take this... Is Like, is that risk really worth it like the argument against Cadillac Williams right is it's a risk because he's inexperienced to me that is way less of a risk than somebody who is experienced has some success but also shows like a history of scandal and infractions and things that could hurt your program Cadillac Williams is not going to hurt your program like will you, you maybe you don't have football success I don't know I'd rather see Dion there I'd rather, like, there's so many things I'd rather see Auburn do than reward Hugh Freeze with another SEC job. This is like those NFL coach retreads that you get that are just like, how the hell? Bill Callahan. Right, or like Mike (laughs) McCarthy. Like, how are these guys still getting jobs? Like, just be innovative. Take a risk. I I hate it. I hate it probably more than the Matt Rule hire. Because at least I can see why you want to hire Matt Rule. I don't see why Hugh Freeze is appealing. Because he had a good record in the Atlantic Sun at Liberty, thirty-nine and twenty-five at Ole Miss. If you include That's their not vacated even that wins, good. if you include their, if vacated you include wins. the vacated wins, <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I really hope at this point that they do hire him because this
1: segment wouldn't make a lot of sense if they if they Yeah, we're probably going to leave it in anyway. But um, all the evidence tells us: if it quacks like a duck, it calls escorts. A couple other things we should... <laughs> sure. Everyone says that. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things we should note. Wisconsin appears to be finalizing a deal with Luke Fickle. I think... Nailed it. That's a home run higher by all accounts. Um, if you have an opportunity to get somebody like Fickle who knows that area, who's had success at Cincinnati, I think that's clearly a home run
0: for them. It's tough, right? Because I think Jim Leonard deserves that job. But... Luke Fickle's a better coach and has a track record and yeah, it's kind of mind blowing, right? Like I, I wouldn't, I didn't see this coming at all. Um, I, I, think I said to you a week or two ago, I didn't even consider the Wisconsin job open because I assumed Jim Leonard would get it. So then is somebody else going to give him a shot? Auburn. <laughs> maybe. Right. Like, well, Stanford's now open
1: with David Shaw stepping down. So yeah. maybe he, maybe goes there. Um, from, from the UVA perspective, it's been interesting to see Bronco Mendenhall's name attached to a couple of different programs, including Stanford, um, and Colorado. He, did, he
0: didn't shut the door to...
1: No, he said he just needed to step away for a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me. Like I could see him having decent success at a place like Stanford, where mm-hmm. it, it kind of follows the UVA mold of good academics, potential investment of money to be successful as a football program, but it's not the most important thing there. The fans aren't Mm -hmm.
0: rabid about you have to win right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, but can be be a good fan base when you're good. And and I, yeah, that might be a great spot for him. Um, I, I generally respect Bronco as a coach. I don't think he's like some amazing coach, but I I think a place like Stanford, Colorado could be good for him too. Mm -hmm. Um, Plenty, plenty of ranch area there in Colorado. Sure, sure. priorities, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a Bronco to Stanford thing could look really good. Stanford's just always an interesting job because, you know, I don't know that we really anticipated it being open. They were obviously having a bad year, but they didn't fire David Shaw. He yeah, just stepped down. Resigned. Yeah, um, which makes sense for him, I think. In in some ways, I'm curious to see what he does. But he's done some. I would expect him to go back to the booth or um, he's done some. I would think booth or NFL would be kind of my guess. Some NFL assistant or like consulting job to take a little step away. But um, well, we mentioned, Colorado, is it primetime? Yeah,
1: I can't decide if that would be a better job for him or the USF job, which is open. Obviously, he has a connection to the state of Florida and knows that area really well. So I, I think that... If you don't know his nickname, we're talking about Deion Sanders. This is Deion Sanders. <laughs> this, is, this is like the pop-up video part. Yeah. It's like, Prime is also a name. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I tend to think that the USF job would be a natural fit, but Colorado or perhaps something like Georgia Tech in a power 5 conference, would somebody be able
0: to take a take a swing with him? Yeah. I think somebody should. Like why not if you're if, Colorado? I think if you're so if you're Colorado, yes. I to me Colorado's swing should be a Eric Bieniemy and mm-hmm. give him all the money he wants. And that fires up a fan base, right? And it's a good chance for Eric Bieniemy to look at the NFL and be like, "Hey, screw you. Like I've been here and my name pops up and nobody seems to want to hire me for whatever that reason may be. So, you know what? I'll just go coach at my alma mater. And for Dion, like then I think you look at Georgia tag, right? Because you have the Atlanta connection. You played in Atlanta. And to me, that just plays like that, that the personality fits. And it's a power five program where expectations aren't super high. So it's not Auburn. Right now you can say the same thing about Colorado. I just, I don't know, what's his connection to the area? What's, like, now he's Dion. He's got a connection to everywhere, really. Oh. I just think if, if, you're,
1: if you've had a program that has not been successful, why not take a swing with him? He, yeah. He's somebody who seems like his be success su- at Jackson State clearly shows he understands the NIL game. Mm-hmm. He understands how to recruit. He clearly understands how to coach, right? Yeah. Like, This would be something that can really inject just electricity into your fan base in a way that hiring some competent coordinator from Baylor, you know, no offense, Jeff Grimes, but like (laughs) I just feel like you you really can actually fundamentally change
0: the conversation about what football can be. Well, and does he bring his son? Does Shador come and play quarterback wherever you go? And there you've got a quarterback who like could be a dark horse Heisman guy in the right spot right i mean he's super talented and or what other recruits come with you know like what other is it a Lincoln Riley type situation where some of these guys that he has convinced to come to Jackson State follow him somewhere because it's prime because they like sorry coach prime because they like him and they want to play for him now the other the other thing that we have to like consider is like how important is him is is it to him to be at Jackson State at an HBCU. Like that he may value that and not want to leave that. You know, he deserves a ton of credit for bringing a lot of visibility to HBCU football and he may have some loyalty to that and and want to stay for those reasons and and can't knock that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch. He's been kind of quiet about it in terms of what he wants to do. So I got to think he's maybe at least considering things cuz he also hasn't come out and said like I'm not leaving Jackson State, so we'll see. I'd love to see Dion. I mean, good lord, the press conferences and just him interacting with some of these Power Five coaches. I I want him at Georgia Tech. I really do, because I want to see him and like Mac Brown on opposite sidelines. (laughs) Because I just don't think Mac Brown would know what to do with that. I think he
1: would. It would the funniest result would be if Auburn zagged away from Hugh Freeze and went to hire him. Yeah. Especially after they had the the Nick Saban controversy yeah, in yeah, the yeah. preseason with NIL, I just I feel like that would, that would really, be fun. That would be a fun rivalry. I'd rather do
0: that than Hugh Freeze.
1: Those Aflac commercial film, oh.
0: they're gonna be oh see, intentional, that's right? like NIL for him, right? Yeah. It's gonna be good stuff. I, I yeah, I you got to think like is the time, is now the time to make the jump or does he wait for? build his profile as a coach a little bit more, and then something else opens up. I, I don't know. I don't know what he wants. But. Anything else football-related you want to talk about? Should we move to basketball? Let's let's move to basketball, and I, and I think talk a little bit, especially about the ACC. We talked about Carolina's no-good, very bad day that they had on Friday, which included a basketball disappointment. Right. That I think falls squarely at the feet of one Armando Baycott. Say more. more. Okay. In our preview episode, I expressed some concern about any team built around a big. A big like Armando Baycott, who doesn't uh, offer any sort of floor-stretching ability, is not particularly good in transition, he's relatively kind of lumbering, like he's a big kind of slow dude, and in that game, th- this is what is concerning to me: is he didn't have a particularly bad game. Thirteen points, nine rebounds, five of six shooting. That's not awful. He did have five turnovers, but that's what's more concerning. It'd be one thing if he had just had like an outlier of a bad game, and you're like, okay, fine, we lost because our best player just kind of the bed today, but. He had a decent game. It just showed you can't build your team around a player like this. Like you're gonna run into issues when you run into good defensive teams, which is what Iowa State is. And I mean, they had a pretty amazing performance from Caleb Grill, and like that's fine. I don't think Iowa State is that great of a player, uh, great of a team. They have a good defensive uh, squad, but um, you know, I, I just. It's, it's it's a concern when you build around that kind of player. And it's also a concern when you look at Pete Nance. We talked about this as an X-factor for them. Is Pete Nance the, like, can, can he kind of stir the drink there? As, like, that extra big who shoots one of three from three in that game. Nine points. Like, you, he's not Brady Manic. He's just not. And he had had a really great game the game before this where he had, like, 28. But... You know, in a game like this, you have Leaky Black with six points, couldn't shoot. Uh, RJ Davis and Caleb Love combined to go two for 14 from three. Like, it's just, if if your best player is a big who's isolated in the post and and can't really do a whole lot outside of that, I just don't have a lot of faith in you as a program. So, to me, this is indicative of a larger problem, I think, that they're going to have moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think... Obviously, a small sample size, but I think it goes a little bit beyond Iowa State, right? So, any individual game you could lose, but struggled against Portland mm-hmm. previously in the previous game. Struggled for at times against James Madison, only won by six against Gardner Webb. This is a team that has one of the nation's worst uh, defenses in terms of forcing turnovers. Like they, they don't force steals. They have a really low three-point shooting percentage right now, which is one of the things we talked about. Not just with a big, can you shoot outside? Mm-hmm. And they don't have that. And they also, at this early point in the season, are only using their bench like very sparsely, yeah. right? So they they are very heavily dependent on their starting five with a couple of people like Tyler Nickel and uh, Nance coming off the bench. So. Yeah, I think I think there's something to be a little bit concerned about. I'm I obviously I'm not gonna bury North Carolina with how much experience they have and how they looked in the second half of last year, but I do think that they have not looked like a top team in the country, certainly, or even really a top ten team hmm. based on what we've seen from them so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, at time of recording here on Sunday the twenty seventh, like right now they're in overtime with Alabama. So Alabama's a good team, right? Iowa State, I think, decent team. The Portland game was interesting, right? I don't really know what to take out of that. But the, yeah, I I, I just, I don't trust them. I don't. I think the lack of depth is concerning. I, I, I think I said this in the preview. Like, you're, one of your top players off the bench is going to be Puff Johnson. And, like, is he really that guy, right? That's, like, your sixth man on an ACC Or just national title contender. Whatever. And I just don't think so. I I really don't. And and I I don't look at this team and think. They made a great run last year. And I will give them credit. And I will acknowledge my anti-Carolina bias. I'm not sure this team is that good. Like I I just don't. I don't necessarily see it. But you know. We'll see how it plays out. Like you said. I'm not going to write them off. Because we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But I don't know. I think they're. I think they're a fairly limited team which like they're going to win when either Caleb Love or RJ Davis go off and just have a great game. So like right now they're in overtime with Alabama, Caleb Love has 26 points. And and that's what that's going to come down to is is the guards, right? College basketball is a guard-driven game and the they're going to rely on getting the, the results from those guys. Another team
1: that has been expected to thrive at the top of the ACC but has run into a couple of road bumps along the way is Duke, mm-hmm. right? We have, they have just finished off losing soundly against Purdue. This is uh a team that has a lot of young talent and they haven't been particularly healthy at the beginning of the year. So again, I'm not ready to write Duke off either, but obviously something that is problematic for them to start, right? You This is a, this is not, I think, an elite Final Four caliber team as we start the season. It may turn into that later in the season as people get more experience. But right now, definitely some concerning signs from Duke as well.
0: Yeah. They got crazy athletes, right? And we'll see what happens when Dariq Whitehead is healthy, right? Because he's still not fully back. He, he's playing. They shot two for 19 from three today against Purdue. And Purdue's a good team. So, losing by 19 to them isn't, I mean, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, but, but similar to Carolina, right? Do you have the shooting? And if you're going two for 19 from three, guess what? You don't have
1: the shooting. So, just, just a smidge over 29% from three in their first eight
0: games to start, right? So, that's it's not going to get it done. Yeah. It's just not. So, you know, I think those two teams. Have been a little a little disappointing. Not as disappointing, though, as some other teams in the ACC.
1: There have been some really train wreck, dumpster fire, five alarm <laughs> catastrophes <laughs> going on in the bottom of the conference. So one we expected. Right. Nobody expected Louisville to be good. Right. Well, we talked about that in the preview, but they have really, really struggled out of the gate. Their their first game, really, against an opponent that you would classify as decent in mm-hmm. Texas Tech, they get their doors blown off, they're hold, uh, held to 38 points. Bad performance, clearly not Power 5, you know, ready. Yeah. But some of their other games are even more concerning.
0: Yeah, you know, this is a, a team that dropped their first three games by a combined three points, so we were all kind of looking at it and saying, like okay, this is a, a, a bad start to the season and you know th- things aren't going well uh, for Kenny Payne to start things off. But then you look at some of those uh, other results that they came through. Uh, obviously, the, the Texas Tech game where they just got the doors blown off of them. Um, the Arkansas game where they lost by 26. They lost to Cincinnati by 20. This team is gonna is gonna really struggle to make it through the year, I think. And uh, yeah, they're they're just by all metrics are one of the worst teams in the country, definitely one of if not the worst Power Five team. Florida State would like a word. <laughs> I do think Florida State's a little
1: bit better, but Siena, Stetson, UCF, Troy. Okay, Florida and Stanford are places you've heard of. Right? Yeah. So they have been really, really bad. And unlike Florida State teams in the past, where I just every time I imagine a Florida State team, I think of a bunch of seven foot one guys who are hitting threes yep. and just dunking all over the court. And some dynamic guard or wing is going to be a lottery pick. Right. This is a team that has allowed offensive rebounds on 37.5%
0: of the possession, defensive possessions.
1: That's horrendous. How? Yeah, that's, How?
0: That's not good. Uh surely Leonard Hamilton's gonna turn this thing around, right? Does he have that Tony Bennett power to just will it to be better? I really like I really like Leonard Hamilton. I, I think, think he's, he's a really him. good coach. This
1: really surprises me. And I'm thrilled as a Virginia fan to see Florida State on my calendar coming up. To, to start, start the ACC to season. To start the ACC season as opposed to late January where, I mean, we do have to play them in mid-January again. But I just would, like, get them now
0: because yeah. they are not playing well. Yeah. And maybe it'll get better. Maybe it won't. I, like, I, I don't know. They suck. They just suck. And I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought they would be, like, a pretty – I'm pretty sure in our preview we talked about them as, like – this team could be pretty Sneaky. good. Like Sneaky. they're going to, yeah, right? Not so much. You know who else is disappointed? And it makes me so happy to know that he's just, he's probably fuming right now just at his existence. Jim Bayheim. Oh. Yeah, he's not having a great year so far. He's still
1: having conversations with a Bryant coach trying to <laughs> iron out whether the handshake line was supposed to happen. There we not. go. Yeah. Syracuse off to a bad start too. Bryant beats them at home, lost to St. John's, overtime win against Richmond, lost to Colgate. Like this is, you know, and, and I think I said at the beginning of the year, they were one of my teams that I could see cratering a little bit. Mm-hmm. Granted, we've seen so many examples of Syracuse over the years where they start start the year off bad with a couple of bad losses and then suddenly Buddy Beheim
0: hits 43s sure. and they're in the tournament. They don't have that guy this year. Right, they don't have the guy that I feel like is just gonna go out there and get hot and win some games for him. They're, they're they're I think they're missing the alpha. I really do. And, yeah. it and hasn't they, been Joe Girard and it hasn't been Jesse Edwards yet right. today. Right, and those are the guys who you would think it has to be. I, I, this it's early, but like, if this season continues to go this way, is this the long-awaited? Time where we get to say goodbye to Jim Beheim. They're not gonna force him out. No, right? but it's, does he step gonna... away? Does he have a disappointing year and is like, you know what, I'm getting too old for this? Do does you... he Danny Glover it and just like <laughs> I can't do this anymore?
1: I don't know. I kind of feel like he's the type of person who won't go out on a bad note. Sure. I feel like he wants to end with a bang.
0: We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I just they've been they've been pretty disappointing, but there are some teams. In the ACC also, I think that we'll be happy to to both say, uh, have been better than expected. Now one of those we thought was going to be good, but you can't honestly tell me you expected UVA to be this good, this early. Yeah, I I definitely have always had faith
1: that UVA would be great and deserve a top five team. No. I I think...
0: (laughs) Let's check that preview episode again.
1: Obviously... Obviously, they've played really, really well out of the gate, and the difference has been just being able to shoot the ball this year, Yeah, right? When you get Armand Franklin hitting threes, when you have Ben Vanderplas coming in and distributing the ball, having like a threat outside, when you have uh, people that are able to come off the bench like Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn, and even, even starters that... Haven't been as big at scoring. Reese Beekman has upped his game a lot. Oh, has he
0: taken a little jump this year? I he, wonder if somebody maybe has. Uh, thought about seeing that coming.
1: Right. I have to check the tape. The, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're currently, their three-point percentage is almost 45%, right? It's not going to be that high all season, but it's certainly an encouraging sign. And I think they just have enough, they have enough depth on this team where they don't have to rely on any individual score. It could be mm-hmm. somebody different. Jaden Gardner had struggled the first few games of this season and then against Maryland Eastern Shore he was literally unstoppable like he could have put up however many points he wanted to mm. and I think that's a really encouraging sign as a UVA fan they definitely still have a big tough stretch coming up here with Michigan on Tuesday they've got the game against Houston which will be very very difficult in mid-December but yeah I think any UVA fan would love what they've seen so far and also want to shout out the women's team, like seven and O to start their season as well. Coach Mox. I mean, honestly, I'm ready for them to go ahead and extend her for 10 years. Right. Sure. Like just being able to inject enthusiasm plus getting recruits, plus actually having a watchable style of play. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like it's yeah. a very exciting time to be a UVA fan right now. If you like basketball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Impressed with the men, impressed with the women. And the great thing about the women's side of things is like, you got to think the best is yet to come. Right. She pulled in two really great local recruits, Olivia McGee and Kamara Johnson. Like that, you got to think, I mean, the timing of that is almost serendipitous where you right. have those types of recruits in your local area at that time when you have a coaching change and some excitement around your program. And we'll see where it goes, right? Uh, as far as the men's team, you know, I don't think they're going thirty and zero or whatever, right? They're gonna they're gonna drop some games at some point. It helps to have a you know point guard who's been there for a decade, and you've got some just there's experience. It is an experienced team um, where you think of uh, you know being able to yes, you you are leaning on some younger guys off the bench, but uh, you've got plenty of experienced players playing you know the bigger roles like Ben Vanderplus you know, Armand Franklin, uh, uh, Jaden Gardner, all seniors who have at one point transferred into this program. Yeah, that team looks good. That, that game against Baylor, you look at that and you're like, this, is, this team could make a run. You know, at, at, who knows what it looks like in February, March, but you got to be pretty encouraged with how it looks right now. Well, you let me talk about
1: UVA, so I guess you can take 30 <sighs> seconds to brag about or maybe eat some crow since you mm. said in the first episode
0: that you thought the bottom is going to fall out. With yeah. I owe an apology to Kevin Keats and the NC State. I mean, I mean it's early, but they are better than I thought they would be. Uh, you know, in, in terms of early, 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 early uh, results, um, you know, things look fairly good. You have one loss right now, and it's a close loss to Kansas. And I, and I don't think Kansas is – the best of the best this year, but I think they are very good, right? Uh, and you barely lost that game, and probably only lost that game because Grady Dick, uh, you know, the basket looked like it was ten feet wide to him that day. And if it weren't for that, then, but then you respond by coming out beating beating Dayton, uh, beating Butler in the Manny Bates revenge game. This is not a bad team at NC State, right? He's done a really good job with transfers this year, and that's what's keeping them afloat. Jarkel Joyner is unreal. He's actually our leading scorer right now. He's averaging just over 18 a game, which is kind of crazy. Turquavion Smith is Turquavion Smith. The guy is a bucket. A familiar name to Sabre readers, Casey Morcel He's playing really, really well. Surely that won't... uh, There will never be a letdown there. That guy is consistent as consistent can be. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I obviously know that that'll probably go downhill at some point, but... Jack Clark transferred from LaSalle, uh, Mahorchich, uh a center transfer from Utah, DJ Burns from from Winget or Winthrop, sorry. You know, he's done a good job uh, of finding transfers to kind of complement uh, the recruits that are still there. So, it's it's a it's a decent team. Is it a tournament team? I don't know. Probably not. I still don't think so, but we'll see how things go moving forward, but they have been better than expected.
1: This will be a more fun podcast for us. Probably not for listeners if our teams are good. <laughs> yeah, like sure. Every episode good.
0: will just be just talking about these two teams if they're right. good. Yeah.
1: We just, I mean, we can easily pivot to that, and that probably won't
0: disappoint too many people. Right. As long as there's a lot of UVA, then the Sabre will be good. That's right. Yeah. Some other teams, just nationally speaking. Gonzaga, hmm. I'm underwhelmed. It's tough to know what or to I'm get. just, like, it, properly whelmed. It's tough to
1: get a read on them based on, you know, they... They, they lose to Texas soundly mm-hmm. at Texas. Yes. But they turn around and beat Kentucky and then also lose to Purdue. Yeah. So, kind of up and down. And the guards have not played as well as expected. Drew Timmy's still been playing really, really well. And he's going to be, you know, probably the front, one of the two, three front runners for player of the year. Sure. But it hasn't been as dominant. It, as it has been in the last few years. Like, Gonzaga has felt inevitable Mm -hmm. for the last three, four years, and these are games that they haven't lost. Like, they front-load their schedule because they have to get some of those difficult games in, tournament-ready games, because they don't face them in their own conference. Right. But it, it just hasn't looked quite as natural with the exception being of the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game, they looked like what you would expect a Gonzaga team to look like.
0: Yeah. The... The guard play is not good enough. It's just not. Um, it is that they, they've had the NBA guards over the last few years with Suggs and Nimhard, and it's just not there um, at the level it needs to be this year. And, and I think it'll be better, right? They have a top ten strength of schedule to this point, um, so they're, they're. It's not like they're playing cupcake games. I was actually looking at strength of schedule earlier today, and. I um, was surprised to see that Oral Roberts has the strongest schedule okay, so far. Sure. Uh, but, no, so so Gonzaga, it's just kind of iffy. I, I, like, I, I don't know. As it moves forward, do they get a little bit more consistent? You know, for their sake, I hope so. But we'll see if the guard play can carry them. And you mentioned the Texas loss. loss but, hey, Texas is uh, they're pretty good at this whole basketball thing. Um, it's, is Texas back? Yes. Yeah. When it comes to basketball, for sure. Currently sitting on top of the Ken Palm ratings. It's early, so who knows what that really means, but that's what my notes just say. Texas is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, but Chris Beard has built a built a powerhouse down there. And I think, you know, Texas has for the last 10, 15, or 15, 20 years probably has been on the fringe of they're obviously not a blue blood but they're kind of like you know they're always around and I think he could turn them into a real a real blue blood pro- program now
1: I do want to I, I do want to shout out Houston mm-hmm. very quickly number 2 and Ken Palm. Yeah in a, in an era where offense is so encouraged in the game and there's freedom of movement fouls to prevent you know teams from really being able to play that kind of stopping physical defense this is a team that is second in adjusted efficiency defensively they have the number one ranking in limiting their opponents to 33.9 effective field goal percentage like they're really really good defensively
0: uh yeah i mean good good yeah they're a good team i i don't love that as much and eventually they're going to run into you know teams that are more prepared to score against them uh, you know I, we'll see I, I like I like Houston I do I like Houston I like Creighton um, as teams that that you know are kind of outside of the power conferences that I think will make some noise we talked about Arkansas in the preview episode I think they're having a good start to the year this is going to be an interesting this one's going to be interesting coming down to it probably at least looking at early results just to I know this this won't mean as much to people as they listen, but live update that Carolina and Alabama just went to triple overtime. Fun yeah so you know again just like one of those it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season I think there's not a clear hey this team is it um, except for UVA which maybe but we've, we've established that they are already- I, I mean possibly right like I don't know I, I think that they probably at this point UVA, Houston, Texas, Probably the th- three teams I've been most impressed with.
1: I think I would have to throw Purdue on there as well. Now having beaten Gonzaga, Duke, and West True. Virginia, like True. West Virginia is a pretty good probable tournament team too. True. Right, three in a row—that's as good of a three-game stretch. Purdue as you should can be a top ten team for sure. So, anything else you want to say before we get to our last segment here?
0: Yeah, no. I was going to say, I mean, we have a big week coming up as ACC fans. Yeah, ACC Big Ten Challenge, baby.
1: I'm excited about the ACC Big 10 Challenge. Obviously Virginia is playing Michigan. We have Carolina playing Indiana. State so, has a huge game against & Mary. Yeah, State not included this year. Ah,
0: uh, we could just say it's part of it. a Mary new William member. And Mary of the,
1: is a basically a Big 10. New school. member
0: of the Big 10. They're into academics. And uh State's going to take care of business. But yeah, we were last place last year, so we don't get to we don't get to, we don't get to play. So let me ask you this. I
1: have more of a value on the ACC Big Ten challenge. Uh-huh. I kind of buy into like the preseason narrative and like what causes like I I always care about the ACC's stature there. Sure. And I always kind of want the ACC to win even if it means some of the rival teams that I would
0: normally root against win. Oh No see I want the the, the like down the ticket teams to win the Georgia Techs. Well right, the Notre Dames, those guys I don't care about usually. Uh like Carolina plays Indiana. I'm not going to be pulling for Carolina for any ACC
1: pride. Right, but sometimes yeah, so that's interesting that you you see that. And I still it's not that I'm full on rooting for Carolina, but like I if the numbers are close, it's uh-huh. like one of those things Oop. where I kind of find myself like genuinely rooting for some of those teams. No. There's no there's no circumstance where it's
0: okay, but okay, so so. Perfectly, I look at the Duke Ohio State game. Sure, everybody hates Ohio State, right? Like that's sure. just an awful place. Any anybody with a soul, sure. But then I look at it, and Duke's on the other side of that. I'm not pulling for Duke in that. Go Ohio State, like go 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 nuts. <laughs> that's what a Buckeye is. Yeah, no, I'm not. There, there is um. I love the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I really do. And I get very into it, you know, when State gets to participate. And we've played the same school for the last few years uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And it's made me hate that school. Um, and that's Wisconsin. I hate Wisconsin now. Okay. So go Deeks. Uh, my mother's alma mater, Wake Forest, plays Wisconsin. But so th- that's, so not that's a- one that I will care way more about than I normally would care about a weight game because it's the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But-
1: I feel like that's an example of what I was saying, though. Like, you normally wouldn't root for Wake Forest as a North Carolina rival to your school. They're not our rival. Sorry, well,
0: they do (laughs) our taxes. Like, quite literally, my mom did my taxes for a while. She's a Wake grad, so, uh, so okay. So they all do. Yeah, they all do. do. They all do. But, but like, yeah. So Rutgers Miami. That's a Big East game, first of all. But um, I don't pull for Miami in anything. I will pull for them in this game. So, like, rivals? No. UNC can go crawl in a hole and die. I, Duke can lose every game. I, I don't care about that. ACC pride means nothing to me when it comes to those schools. So, like, well, who does Tech play? Will you pull for Tech They're, in the... Uh, against Minnesota? No. No, okay. I definitely won't. And I also... But if Tech was playing, like, Ohio State or... I think it's mostly right. Indiana, like Indiana had a chance of, to like score an upset for the ACC. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. That's why I it's know. not a real rivalry. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Like, so I look at the, I
1: look at this like Illinois, Syracuse. Am I going to cheer for Syracuse? No, I'm not going sure. to. Sure. But if it's Georgia Tech. I like when the teams play each other when they have similar like
0: aesthetics, colors
1: yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Cool. I do too. Maryland and Louisville. One of Virginia's top rivals in Louisville, according to <laughs> ACC schedulers. Sure, I'm rooting for Louisville. Like I'm not rooting for Maryland. No, no chance. Juan Dixon still plays there, right? Uh, it, it doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter who plays for Maryland. I'm not going to root for them. Sure. There are some games in here that probably looked better on paper than they currently look. So, like Louisville, Maryland. <laughs> like Louisville, Maryland is one. Purdue and Florida State. Yeah, like, that looked like an intriguing matchup a few weeks ago. God. Somebody needs to go ahead and get the ambulance ready for Florida State. Boston College at Nebraska. See, like that's one, you know, if it hangs in the balance at the end. Sure,
0: then you go Eagles. Go Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. That I can agree with. Um, And I will watch games that I wouldn't normally watch as part of that. Like normally if I see Boston College, Nebraska on my TV, I'm going to watch a little bit of it probably just because, like, I love basketball. I'm not – committing to much time on that but if, you have, if you have some chores that come up you're sure you're gonna take but it as part of it. the acc big 10 challenge it's gonna get more of my attention but, but this does remind me i mentioned state happened to draw wisconsin several times in the last few years in the acc big 10 challenge and it really changed the way i thought about wisconsin i really so for years didn't mind wisconsin and some of this goes back to a story Um, years ago, my grandma was trying to buy a gift um, for one of us. It wasn't even for me, but was going to buy an NC State shirt. But my grandma, you know, not a big sports person, really sweet, but she bought a Bucky the Badger shirt Okay, um, because red and white and, you know, badgers and wolves don't look too dissimilar, I guess. So I've always kind of liked Wisconsin. But then Brad Davison happened. And I don't know if you're familiar with Brad yes, Davidson. So, Brad, right. Brad Davidson played for Wisconsin and was known for his one discernible skill, which was flopping. I would draw several charges, some of them legitimate, some of them not. But then, um, several times after we played them, he would complain that he didn't get enough uh, charge calls, which makes it even more annoying. Uh, just play the game, you little. Anyway. Um, I hate Brad Davison, but I also understand that like he was very impactful for Wisconsin over his seemingly 20-year career. And that got me to thinking. There's been a lot of players over the years in college basketball who are uh, good players for their program. Impactful. They they help teams win. um, They're good at basketball. But they are just so damn hateable. So I thought... What's the best team you could put together of guys that everybody—not everybody hates, but you hate—but um, could still win a game?
1: Okay. How do you want to do this? I so think. We, this, are we
0: drafting back and forth? What's the? I think we got dra- format. I think we draft back and forth here. Okay. So I think that I will go age before beauty. So you can draft first. Thanks. Um, and I think we draft a team of five. You could throw in a coach if you want, but there's only a few of those that I think are easily going to make the, the cut. And then, you know, I want to talk about who just very briefly who we think would win that game if those teams of five played with those guys in their prime. Uh, and I'd love to get some feedback from listeners, too, as far as, you know, people that they hate that maybe we miss. Mm-hmm. I've got a big list, so we're not going to get all these guys. Or if they, you know, strongly disagree with us on how this
1: game would go. Okay, so, yeah, when, when you came up with this idea, I went back and forth between naming players that I hate the most, mm-hmm. but then trying to balance that with players that would actually be successful in the court. Sure. So In a I, college game in their In a their college prime. game in their prime. So I tried to walk that balance, and because I have the first pick, I'm going to go ahead and take Tyler Hansborough, mm. just because I know he's on your list. Yeah. Right? That guy and his face mm. is the most punchable guy, but he also... Was really, really talented, great rebounder, sure. even Allegedly. though he didn't pan out totally in the NBA. I, I'm, he did I'm, fine for what I would have expected. Right. Yeah. So I'm taking I'm taking Tyler Hansborough,
0: putting him in the putting him in the post, going going. Sure. Psycho T. Shout out to a guy who uh, a lot of people hate, who didn't make my list because I love him, because of when he literally punched Tyler Hansborough in the face in a game, Jerome Henderson. Yes. Love that guy. For making Tyler Hansbrough bleed. Yeah, I saw him on a number of lists online that were like most hateable players, and I was like, no, man. Between him hitting but like I mean in a play, whatever. Between him making Tyler Hansbrough bleed and being a Charlotte Bobcat's legend, I love him. So I'll take what I think is the obvious um probably two seed in this, or maybe a one seed. I don't know, depending. I'm going with Grayson Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go with Grayson Allen. I think, you know, he um Probably more hated than Tyler Hansbrough. Not as good. But uh, unfortunately, he was a damn good college basketball player.
1: You know, you would never want to have multiple incidents where someone's like, hey, did you hear that this person tripped that guy? And you're like, which time? Yeah. Like, that's bad. Do you remember the first one? I, and who see, they were playing? I, I don't even remember who, because there's so many of them. Sure.
0: They were playing uh, one Elon University. His oh. first tripping incident was against my alma mater, uh, Elon University, where he uh, tripped a kid named Steven Santa Anna. from Charlotte. Yeah, great times. Like, gotta love Grayson Allen. And and yeah, I'd like to punch him, but you know, the law says I can't do that. So
1: I'll take him sure. with my pick. Okay. Are we snake drafting or is it my pick? Nah, let's I'm just
0: gonna... go back and forth here.
1: Okay. So I've got Tyler Hansborough. I need a guard. I am going to take Gravis Vasquez. Mm, I knew you would. He is... That guy... I I also, like, respect him just because of his, like... Most of the time for Maryland, he was able to back up his trash talking and would elevate his game in the most... Mm. You know, the biggest rivalries for them. But as a D.C. area native who went to Virginia. Man, I hate Maryland. Yeah. And he is just the embodiment of everything
0: hateable about Maryland basketball. Sure. No, absolutely. This, I struggle with this because this feels like such an obvious one for me, but I don't know that it would qualify for everyone um, in terms of a hated player. But as a state fan, uh, this guy definitely holds a, a spot for me. Chris Paul. Mm. Chris Paul famously uh, punched Julius Hodge in the nuts, and just God, if you look back at his time at Wake Forest, he—I love Chris Paul the pro, so maybe this is cheating. I don't know, but Chris Paul the college player, whiniest little dude. Like I couldn't stand Wake Forest Chris Paul, and and the nut punch doesn't help, right? Like that's if Grayson Allen is on here for tripping somebody punching somebody in the balls has to be on here. So I'm going Chris Paul, and I'm locking him down at my point guard spot. Yeah, I wasn't as connected
1: to him. Like, I didn't hate him from that perspective, but I also disliked him very strongly. And maybe a little bit before him, but in that same vein, again, somebody who I, I think after leaving basketball has really done some good things, particularly charitable work, but I really hated, at the time, Steph Marbury. Oh. I could not stand him, and Interesting. I don't have a lot of great reasons, but he he just, like, hit all these shots that yeah. were, the like, the most untimely shots, and I, I didn't even dislike Georgia Tech that much, but sure. for some reason I really disliked him. His career in the NBA was kind of, you know, up and down, but... And he seems like, from what I was reading about, like it seems like he's become a pretty good dude now, from what I can tell. Yeah. But at the time, which is where we're going in their prime, hated his guts.
0: For sure. No, that that makes total total sense to me. I'm looking at my list here and I'm thinking about who I want to go with next. Uh, there's a guy that I feel like I could go with. Look, Brad Davidson's on my list, but he's not mm-hmm. good enough to draft. There's a guy I could go with, but I wasn't. Like, I was too young when he was playing, so I can't take that. I, I feel like, you know what? I'm going to stir up. Okay. And I'm going with a specific era of a guy. I'm going with man bun era Kyle guy. Ooh. Man. I, I, like I said, I'm stirring shit up. I know the Sabre guys are going to, all the people on the Sabre are going sure,
1: to. Make sure you send your complaints to Chris at, <laughs> at the Sabre.com.
0: But as a non-UVA fan. Man bun Eric Kyle guy was annoying as hell because he was good. He didn't do anything like he didn't punch anybody in the nuts. He didn't trip anybody, and that's so, problematic for you. No, no, no. I'm, I, I just I'm making it clear. I'm not trying to like defame his character. I know that Kyle guy is known as being super great guy, all this stuff. I I just I hated him for his propensity to just like make key shots and. Have a, have a man bun. Be good at basketball. And the man bun, it just seemed... You can also... I feel like even as a UVA fan, you could. there was a change in his demeanor. Like, man bun Kyle Guy seemed arrogant, immature, and maybe that's misguided. I don't know. But just as an outsider, that's how I saw it. And then uh, I felt like he humbled himself when he cut it off and you guys won a championship as a result of it. So... Thank you to his barber that's what it comes. the title. That's what it comes down to. I I, I mean, I had three UVA guys listed, Ooh. and I went with him. It okay. was either him, because I know you're not going to have any of these guys. So it was either him, Kihei, or uh, London Perrantis. So Oh, gosh. London would be in my top five favorite parts <laughs> of all time. I thought about that one, but like, positionally, Kyle Guy uh, made more sense as kind of a I can a at personal... least
1: see externally. London, I love. God, I love him. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. All right, fine uh, I yeah none of those people are gonna be on my hate list yeah here's here's my next one this is uh again this is a guy that has since leaving has a, 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 seems to be an upstanding citizen but uh-huh. at the time could not stand Jerry McNamara oh interesting I hated his guts and he walked this line that I think Probably now Kia Clark, people who have strong opinions about him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like he single-handedly won a number of games for Syracuse, like particularly their Big East tournament run. Yeah. But they also had games where like the entire fan base hated him and thought he should be benched and all this other stuff. So there was some element of thinking, maybe this guy's just not that good, but mm-hmm. he's getting all of the attention. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's fair. And the fact that it's Syracuse, like I, well, I, I try I like, not to pick all like Duke or all right. Carolina people,
0: but the fact that it was Syracuse, like I had a few Syracuse hateable. guys that I was rolling with as potential, and none of them quite made it. But um, oh man, I'm torn here with what to do with this last or these last two picks. I'm gonna cheat a little bit, okay? And let me know what you think about it. If it if it messes with your pick, I cannot do this. But I feel like these have to go two for one. It's the Morris Twins from Kansas. Okay. No, you can take them both. That's fine. Yeah. This is an interesting... Because I sort of enjoyed watching them play. But also, like... I don't know. No. And I feel this way watching them as pros. I'm like, these guys don't seem to have any discernible skills. Like, what are they really good at, right? They're just like... I would probably love them if they played for my team. Just kind of muck things up. Play... A little bit dirty, but also just tough. But the hate part comes from just uh, they were whiny. Like again, I don't. I just don't love players that after every play, they're like looking to the ref as like, ah, give me the call. Like just shut up and play basketball at a certain point. And, and so I think Markeith and Marcus Morris um, respect to them for building a long professional career out of like not really being particularly good at basketball, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with them. That was hard. I had some other ones on the board, but I'm going to go with the Morris Twins.
1: Okay. Yeah. They they were on my list too. Um,
0: oh. Well, my, if it messes you up, I can just no, take no, one. No, of no, them no, I I, I, more, so. no. I definitely hate Marcus Moore. No,
1: I've got plenty to work with here. So, hmm. Yeah. I. Okay. For my last pick here, I think I'm going to stick with. Okay. I, I, I hate leaving Steve Blake off. I feel like he would be my first person off yeah. the bench, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here a little bit. One of the first basketball people that I ever hated was Eric Montross. He was UNC. on mine too. I mean, he looks like Yvonne Drago, and everything. Like people people are still talking about his like bloody nose game, just like with Tyler Hansborough. Yeah. Like, but he was really good. Yeah. But I hated those Dean Smith era. Teams, or was he with the Guthridge team? I can't remember. Um, I think it was Guthridge. Doesn't it? Doesn't matter. I his nickname is Big Grits. Yeah, I mean, everything about him at the time I absolutely hated. Yeah, tough guy, and I need. I feel like I. No, Dean Smith. Yeah, yeah. between between Hansborough and Montross in the post, I think both of them will just you know be able to mean mug. Have bloody faces and keep everybody else out of the paint.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know what, I'm going to give you Steve Blake so you can have a six man if I can take one too. Sure, okay, why not? Because I am really mad at myself for not having uh, Aaron Kraft. Oh, yeah. I hate that guy. Rosy Cheeks. That's not all it's about, but just like <laughs> but mostly that again, just like you're not particularly good. He he kind of gets a big shot. He was Brad Davison before Brad Davison was a, a thing. Yeah, so I, I have to hit give him a spot as like a as a sixth man. Yeah, I, I the um, I had several others, man. That I, you know what I had
1: I had a couple others that I will go over. Give me just a couple honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. so a couple honorable mentions. Not good enough to make the team, but Greg Paulus. Yep. Hate him. I had him too. Uh, I really disliked Nick Caner medley mm. on that those Maryland teams around their championship. Buddy Bayheim. Yep. If I needed an extra three-point shooter. And after the fact, Ed O'Bannon for ruining the NCAA football video game for all of
0: us. Yeah. Though, even though he was doing
1: it for the intentions a, good, were... a
0: good cause. Sure. Man,
1: like, what am, what am I going to do with my free time now? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I I agree with that. Couple that I left off that I could have easily put on. You talked about Paulus, um, Drew Knightzel from Ooh, Michigan State. Sure, D- didn't care for him. There were two that were before my time, but I do still hate them. Um, and that's Danny Ainge and Reggie Miller. Oh, I love Reggie Miller. Oh my God, I can't stand that guy. Um, Not a good announcer. An <laughs> absolutely cutthroat three-point shooter. Uh, Luke May. The Lopez twins. So the Morris twins were not the only twins on my list. <laughs> Jeff Withey also was on there. I was surprised you didn't have Rashid Suleiman just because he double-dipped Duke mm. and Maryland. Yeah, that's that's pretty unlikable. The uh, the one that I think a lot of people would have that I, neither of us had, and I'm kind of glad, uh, JJ Redick. I really liked JJ. I, I do too. I always liked him. Yeah, dude's just really good at basketball. And, um like, I don't know, I, I, I'm i a fan, and I'm a fan of his now, and just, yeah, I don't hate him. Um, that fella also endured some of the most, like,
1: heinous, taunting imaginable. Yeah. Like, yeah. no college player, no matter how hateable, deserves some of the things that were shouted in his direction. No, absolutely.
0: From, like, on an
1: every-night basis.
0: Absolutely. Um, do you want a coach? Uh, a hated coach? Yeah, go what ahead, give me,
1: a, give me one that you got.
0: I wow with the roster that I have, I'm going Bobby Knight. Mm, okay, for me,
1: I I know I'm supposed to pick Coach K sure. or Dean Smith or Roy Williams Jim or something. Boeheim. or well, I'm not picking Beheim. <laughs> I couldn't root for my team. <laughs> no zone. <laughs> I'm I'm taking Tom Izzo. That okay. guy really rubs me the the wrong way. He's obviously an amazing coach. Sure and. As a coach myself, I steal from his playbook all the time. But yeah. that is... Uh, I get it. Just, yeah. I feel like he's just constantly
0: berating people, which... All right, so my team, we've got Chris Paul, Grayson Allen, uh, Kyle Guy, Markeith and Marcus Morris, Aaron Kraft off the bench,
1: coached by Bob Knight. All right, and I have Tom Izzo coaching... Hansborough and Montross in the post. Grievous Vasquez, Jerry McNamara, and Steph Marbury around the outside. And we've got Steve Blake coming off the bench to handle the ball and look like he's very, very angry, even though he may be fine. <laughs> so you can, you can weigh in. We strongly encourage you to weigh in. Comments, feedback, you can email us directly at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. I think my team wins this, but... I think my team... Who's guarding Chris Paul and I got better shooters? Jerry McNamara going to lock him up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember if Jerry McNamara was good at defense or not. Uh, Steph Marbury could probably... Is, yeah, maybe. I, I would probably put I still Steph think
0: the on. shooting is... Like, Grayson Allen and Kyle Guy both could... I, I can't even, like, want a team with Grayson Allen on it to win. <laughs> right. You know the other
1: person I thought of was Kyrie. Yeah. Because...
0: But he wasn't hateable when he played his he seven
1: a, games at Duke. He was a little hateable in just the fact that he showed up and everybody knew he was going to be the top pick. And yeah. he already seemed like he was too cool for school. That's fair.
0: I I, I obviously and didn't hate then him. Then we found out. Him. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I, I would love to hear people's, because I think this would actually be a really good game. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see kind of how that would go. Um, I think Aaron Kraft probably ends up playing a lot of minutes actually to guard uh Stefan Marbury but I'll take some
1: charges. Grievous Vasquez is going to be ta-
0: taunting the fans with every That's steal right. and layup that he gets. Until either Chris Paul punches him in the nuts, Grayson Allen trips him, or Marky and or Marcus Morris clothesline him. So. It's a good
1: thing it's a good thing you have we got that extra person cuz your team is getting
0: Somebody on your team's getting getting ejected. Yeah, that's totally fair. And it might be the coach. I've got the most violent team. Um, well, this was fun. Um, I would like to say just like if, if we are hearing from listeners just suggestions on some of these like little segments or things you want to hear about, I think would be great. Yeah. Always
1: feedback, of course, as long as it's positive or at least neutral <laughs> is welcome. Uh, again, preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. Uh, Feel free and you are encouraged to leave a a five-star review on any of the places that podcasts are distributed, including Apple and Spotify and what else? What else do the kids listen to these days? Uh, Possibly Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, I think we're on all of the platforms now, so go ahead and do that and... We will hopefully
0: catch you next week. Go Bama, about to beat Carolina in quadruple overtime.